people who are working from home can, you know, they might wear a collar shirt up top, but they're probably wearing yoga pants down below, right? And, or, you know, in terms of, uh, not me. Kind of like David's wearing today. David looks great in yoga pants, right? <laughs> not. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. We upload a brand new podcast every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you have a question you want us to answer here on the podcast, just send an email to podcast at mach1fg.com. If you want to learn more about your financial future, you can schedule a free consultation with any of our advisors here at Mach 1 with absolutely no obligation. Just head to mach1fg.com for more information. Hello and welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment. And today we have a special guest with us, Mr. Wayne Ferbert, along with our normal folks. Uh, I guess we're normal. (laughs) Matt and David and our marketing director, the other Matt. All right. Well, today, Wayne, we are fortunate to have you with us. And we're going to talk about all the money managing you do for us at Alpha DNA. Uh, but first of all, welcome to yeah. the podcast. Thanks for having me. I, uh, you know, this is probably the longest window it's gone between me coming back to Bentonville because of yeah. COVID, right? So yeah. last time it was March last year. It's been like 18 months. I don't think I've gone 18 months without living in like the last seven years. And it always changes so much. It's always growing so much. It's great. And it's such a great community. We've had great weather while I'm here. I've noticed all the bikers, right? <laughs> like the, uh, I've had three different people tell me that Bentonville has become a biking destination. And that had never, I'd never heard that in all my prior visits. So it seems like it's probably been something that's been building for a while. And Wayne, just to clarify, you're talking about bicycles. Oh, bicycles, right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Bicycles. Bicycles. No, I think I just made that one up right there on the fly, right? Um, yes, not uh, not the motorbikes, right? Not uh, Although that's probably popular around here too. Yeah. The, yeah, we have right? the Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue every fall. I think it got canceled this year for Beth COVID. Beth, your office likes biking. Yes, yes. She's, she's big into biking. Oh, the yeah. motorbiker. Now you have the bi- the bicycle. Cyclist, is that what you call them? That it's like, it's like the in between. So they buy the bicycle, but it's an e-bike, so they don't have to pedal as hard. So it's like yeah. the in between the wannabe biker and the actual true. There's bicycle. a there's a funny story there, right? There's the there's websites where you can post your times doing <laughs> doing trails, sure, right? Yeah. Like people are getting e-bikes and then and then doing <laughs> these trails and that sort of stuff and posting their scores. Like the and they're like they're like times faster than Lance Armstrong could post on those. And, <laughs> and the traditional bike bicyclists are so angry, right? Like they go and they just take this down. They just yell at them. And I feel like. You know how online is, right? That probably just makes those people want to do it even more. Right? Oh, or yeah. Makes them want to post another <laughs> e-bike uh, moment. But I, I noticed the bikes finally this morning driving around. I had to dodge a few yeah. on the road, right? Yeah. That's the it, downside, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that's definitely the downside. But it is um, it is definitely an important part of the community here. Yeah. There, there's an effort to try to make uh, Bella Vista sort of like the Aspen of the mountain biking community. And it's... Bringing lots of uh, without all the attitude, maybe. Yeah, right? like, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's bringing lots of uh, tourists and and lots of new residents to the area. And you've 
I know, uh, you know, when we hosted our event yesterday, you were commenting about all the, the new buildings just going up everywhere. As we all know that live here all the time, um, we tend to, you know, just kind of starts to become normal to us. But yeah. it's kind of interesting hearing your perspective of, of it, having not been here in two years almost. Yeah, you know, um, biking is such a great healthy habit, right? Yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's a great you get you get outside and you get exercise and and covid i'm sure has only helped drive that i mean the 18 months i haven't been here are, are, happened to be the covid window and and so covid's driven more people outside right and with more people outside there's more activities outside That's, yeah in fact we see it in our portfolio yeah yeah i was just going to mention that so uh for those of you listening that may not know wayne or have met him before wayne is the ceo and founder of a company or co-founder i should maybe i should say of alpha dna and so that why don't we talk just briefly about what that name even means alpha dna yeah, for us it is the dna of alpha right yeah. so alpha in the investment world is excess return right it is it is the amount of money you make that's that's above the amount of risk you took to make it right so so like if the s p made 10% this last year and you made 15% returns and your portfolio that you made 15% returns had similar risk to the S&P 500, then your alpha would be 5%, right? So alpha is like the holy grail in investments. And so we, we called ourselves alpha DNA because we wanted to basically say we are, we are decoding the DNA of alpha, right? And we're doing it through the sentiment work we do, right? By measuring the consumer metrics and consumer value metrics of all the companies, nearly all the companies in the Russell 3000, which is a lot of companies. Right? Yeah. And that's how we get to the DNA. Yeah. And you, we, what we sort of that, you know, that, that, that underlying uh, thing that drives those companies. Yeah. I mean, you think DNA, right? It's the underlying code, essentially, right? DNA is essentially a, a highly sophisticated code that makes us who we are. And it kind of similarly, you know, you're, you're the DNA of generating alpha is coming from computer codes and data doing all that do you talk can you talk briefly yeah, about so that? so our whole you know we're 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 a hedged equity manager primarily but it's mostly equity right the real difference maker for us is that decoding that we're doing of sentiment to build an equity portfolio we're using artificial intelligence to build a better equity portfolio and the way we're able to get to that dna is by measuring all of that interaction between customers and the digital properties of all those companies in the russell 3000 so you know, when I said I said earlier, it's the consumer metrics and the consumer value metrics, right? It is it is those metrics of the actual interaction between customers and those digital brands. And so, basically, it's like having a real time. It's like having a near real time panel, right? Uh, that that um, by panel I mean like a group of people you can survey and ask questions to, right? It's like it's like having that real time for three thousand companies or near real time. Basically telling you more people are interacting with the company or less people are. More people are tweeting at them or less people are. And, and the, the, the AI basically goes in and says, which of those metrics and behaviors tend to indicate things like revenue growth and profitability? And the AI finds those trends and says, you know, for Walmart, these are the metrics that matter. And for Target, it's probably very similar metrics, right? Yeah. And then for Starbucks, it's these kind of metrics. And, and that's what gives us basically insights into who's winning and who's losing. Wayne, just, just to make sure we make get everybody on the same page, you've used some terminology that we understand in the room here what it is, but you use the term equities. 
Yeah. And you use the word hedge. Can you kind of explain some of those terminologies for us? Yeah. Our so equities are stocks, right? So, you know, it's like if you own Walmart, it's that WMT ticker that you own in your portfolio, right? <laughs> if you own Target, TGT, right? It's that stock, right? It's the ownership of a company, right? In public markets. And then hedging is whenever you build downside protection into a portfolio. So something that appreciates when markets go down, right? Because you always want to, it's great to have something in your portfolio that goes up when markets are going down. And that's what hedges are. And so, we run hedged equity. I feel like hedged equity is just such a great name for what we do because it really just describes the exact two things we do. We build you this equity portfolio that's like 95, 97% of the portfolio, and then we buy you this hedge, right, using options on the broader market. And that and that's the 3 to 5% of the portfolio that's left. And, and then that hedge, we just regularly manage it to make sure it's always providing value for it, take profits from it if markets go down, right, reset it if markets go up. And the equity portfolio, we're just always rebalancing to make sure you're in the most optimal set of stocks that the AI tells us we should own. So on that note, let's talk about some specific examples of how the AI has been able to help with that. We were just talking about uh, now that we understand what alpha DNA means and how you're using all that, these algorithms and so forth to try to find these hidden earning surprises. Um Talk about, uh, well, we also talked about biking and how COVID has, drive, has driven all these outdoor type activities. Talk about some things that, that you saw last year, especially or specifically with respect to investment decisions that yeah. your yeah. algorithms were driving. I, think, I feel like the very best example is when we were just sort of leading into with biking, right? This year in 2021, since January 1st, the, the very single biggest winner in our portfolio is Dick Sporting Goods, right? Do you guys have Dick Sporting Goods down here? You don't, no. do you, right? There's okay. one down in Fort Smith. I think. Yeah, Fort right. Smith. So, so you know, they're just a sporting goods store, but they're the largest sporting goods store in the, in the, in the U.S., right? Um, and they have just hit, they had a great 2020. They're having a, they're up 97% in our portfolio hmm. this year, or 95. It's like it moves a little bit every day. It's a couple of days ago I checked it, right? That's a lot of return. We've owned the stock the whole year. And if you, so if you're in the all cap strategy that, that we have, or you're in the large cap strategy, the, 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 uh, you guys, the all cap strategies, we renamed equity long short to be called the all cap hedged equity, right? So that's what had, has had dicks in it. It's because people are going to buy bikes. People are going to buy yeah. uh, workout clothing. People have, people have built gyms in their basement and they need, do, do you remember how hard it was to get dumbbells yeah. anywhere last year? Yep. Did, you, did you walk into any bike stores or any, or any, uh, uh, sports stores? I mean, the biking section was cleared out, mm -hmm. right? By, by like. April of last year, and yeah. then you know, bikes would come in, and they'd get cleared out again the, the the next May and June, and over and over. And so, you know, that's a trend we saw and picked up on. In fact, indoor biking was a trend we saw last year and a little bit this year. Peloton, right? So, you know, we've put Peloton in the portfolio, and people have uh, because they're getting healthier, they they need to wear the clothes that that uh, they can exercise in. Lululemon has really killed it, and then Lululemon has also killed it really well because athleisure people who are working from home can you know they might wear a collar shirt up top but they're probably wearing yoga pants down below right and or you know in terms of uh not me kind of like david's <laughs> wearing today yeah, yeah, right. yeah, david, david looks great in yoga pants right <laughs> not. and so and so the the you know those are the sort of trends that we picked up in fact the one i always laugh at crocs is a big winner for us this year and was a big winner last year too I still feel like Crocs is the shoe you would wear if you wore it around your friends. You would be teased yeah. mercilessly. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, the stay-at-home footwear. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. They are, I have a pair of Crocs sliders at home, so not with the strap on the back. I feel like I feel like having the the dome on the front and the strap on the back is what makes it sort of look really. Yeah, you're stupid, from the south. Right? If you have the strap. On the right, back. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I do have the slider kind that, that are just like sandals, right? And 
they are really comfortable. I and because I have a, I have a pool, so yeah, you know, they're they're waterproof. So you walk around them, you yeah. do yard work or pool work or something, right? They are really really comfortable and definitely a wear at home shoe. And I mean, Crocs sales have more than doubled since COVID started. It's and crazy. They're not cheap. And yeah. since I'm older than all of you, I have a brother who lives in Florida. That's all he wears. Yeah. I mean, he's 70 years old and. That's the only thing he'll put on his feet. I, I admire him already because anyone who just flat out doesn't care what everybody else <laughs> thinks about, about how they look. I already admire this guy. That's great. <laughs> um, so what types of – well, let's – well, actually, before we get off this topic about different specific investments that you saw, one of the things that intrigued me was how you guys found Zoom in January of 2020 – Keep in mind the timeline here, folks. I mean, the uh, COVID hit the United States pretty hard in February. That's in February is when everything started. Late February is when everything started shutting down. And of course, we all are familiar with Zoom now, um, doing all these remote meetings. But uh, you guys had Zoom in the portfolio before all that started happening. Can you talk, speak to a little yeah, bit about that? Yeah, we get that question all the time. People are always like, How did you see Zoom video in January 2020 when the U.S. didn't shut down until March, really, right? And the answer was China was already shut down. China started shutting down in December, right? And so China had already been shut down for a whole month. There are lots of people in China that work for U.S. companies, right? Or, or there's just lots of people in China who work with U.S. companies, right? Yep. And so all those Chinese employees are now working from home. They had to have some way to communicate with their U.S. counterparts. Zoom was the default, right? Yeah. That was the, they were the quickest to move, quickest to get up and running, right? So we just started seeing that trend in the data. And when I say we... We actually don't sit around and sort of like, there's not like a heat map on our computer that sort of points us to these things. Really, it is highly quantitative. We have data scientists that work for us and, and they code, and we cover 3,000 companies, so you can imagine. And, and we, have, we average over 250 data points per brand that we track. And like an Amazon has like 160 brands, yeah. right? And so like, who knew that Amazon owns Soap.com or, or uh, diapers.com. We all know they own Zappos, right? Because that's a big company. It's a gap. They own Casa.com, all kinds of things like that, right? And so, we, you know, w the computer tracks all of that. And then, you know, we code it to basically analyze all of it, tell us when is that company selling more of its product than everyone, th than they usually do. Mm -hmm. And what do the Wall Street analysts think they're selling? And if there's a difference, that makes it a buying opportunity, right? If the Wall Street thinks a company is growing by 3%, and our data tells us it's growing by 8%, that's a great buying opportunity. Because if we're right, eventually Wall Street will find out they're growing by 8%, and Wall Street will have to upgrade it and yeah. know, change their estimates, and more, more investors will come in and buy it. So, so that, that's what's generating the alpha, the, that's right. the DNA of that alpha, the alpha being the outperformance. The DNA is the data that you guys it's are all mining. The data analytics. It's the data yeah. and the analysis of it, right? That's all right. that AI power put against it. That's right. That's right. So it's been a great a great strategy for us here at Mach One. Uh, uh, if you're a client listening, you've more than likely you've got this as part of your portfolio. It's a signet. We use it pretty heavily because it's effective. I mean, last March is a a great example. Uh, in the month of March, when you if you're talking about you know uh, where the market opened and closed, I'm not talking about intraday stuff. Last year, it dropped about eight percent whereas the market was down about 30 plus percent in the month of March. So it, it really worked, worked very effectively for our clients, saved them from a lot of losses. And it's the, it's the quality of the stock picks based on the, uh, all that data that, that data analytics that you guys are doing. Yeah. That's the key to it as well as the hedging. 
Yeah, the hedging is great for I mean defense in a portfolio. Uh, that is the kind of market we've built it for. Is we really built our hedges for what we call material market declines, and that was a very COVID twenty twenty. The February March was a very material market decline, so it did exactly what we expected, right? We offset more than half of the market's losses with our hedges. And it was very important for our clients that are in or near retirement to avoid that huge drop off so they didn't have to make a huge comeback. But they did make a huge comeback, but they avoided that major drop off and that led to a record return last year on that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. So it worked really well last year, but can you talk for a few minutes what, you know, going forward, obviously we don't know what the future holds, but talk about the types of markets that we expect the alpha DNA strategies to perform well in, what, what kind of market conditions are going to challenge it, stuff yeah. like that. So let's talk about we're performing well on a relative basis and performing well on an absolute basis, right? So relative just means how you're performing relative to the market. So the very, the very best way that we'll perform relative to the market is the one you just described. When the markets are, technical term here, throwing up all over themselves, <laughs> right? Um, that's the market we'll perform best on a relative basis because the market will be down a lot and we'll be down less. So relative to the market, we'll be down, but we're still losing money, right? No one wants to lose money. So, so then you talk about, well, what kind of, what's your best market on an absolute basis, right? Well, the market that's just ripping upwards, right? We're gonna do, we're gonna do best on an absolute basis, just meaning the most returns, right? Because we'll go up a lot, the hedges will create a real drag, right? Yep. So on an absolute basis, that will be the best, yeah. right? Um, the best market, though, on the positive side, on a relative basis, is a market that's just sort of sideways to, to, to uh, trending upwards, right? That one, our equity portfolio will usually outperform by a lot. It'll easily cover the cost of the hedges, and then you'll see a lot of difference to, the, to say, the S&P 500 or the Russell 2000. Like, it will be beating that index, uh, easily covering the cost of the hedge, uh, and delivering outsized returns. That's probably the market that clients will sort of uh, notice us the most in you know all strategies typically do well when markets are just that, that market I just talked about the one that just goes up 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 yeah right so again three markets I just talked about there one in which it's throwing up all over itself one in which it's doing the exact opposite and just you know running really really high up right and then the sort of the, the other one being sort of sideways to just sort of trending upwards market right yeah um, or even just trending slightly downwards right that market will te- again will tend to outperform uh, uh, in as well Markets that are very narrow in in, in their uh, performance range, we usually find the winners, right? Yeah. And so, what, and you look in, in your crystal ball and you look out, you know, everything we read and hear online is that, you know, in the future, the stock market is not going to go up like a rocket like it has been. It's going to go 6 7%, kind of a steady climb. Mm-hmm. Your, your strategy perform well there, right? It would perform well in there. Although it's funny, you, you say that I could, I could, we should record it and then play it again next year and then play it again next year. Because you could say that every year for like the last yeah, that's like how right. many years in a row. Or over the last 10 years, you could say that how many times, right? And be right. Um, markets have really wanted to grind upwards and grind and, and grind upwards pretty solidly. But I it does feel like things are toppy, but it's, feel, it's felt like things are toppy for years. So... Um, without a doubt, a market that's just sort of going up low, sing- low single digits or mid single digits, yeah, I would expect us to find the best picks uh, from that and get, and at least on the equity side, be able to deliver. The, so just the equity part of the portfolio, deliver closer to double digit returns. And then after the cost of the hedge, be able to deliver market like returns. And what I always tell people, what they should expect from us is market like returns even after the cost of the hedge. So market like returns overall. Yeah. But there's a hedge in there, and a hedge costs money. It's like buying portfolio insurance for your home. And so 
if I could just deliver you market-like returns, but you can sleep well at night knowing your, your portfolio always has a parachute, that seems like a win-win. Yes. Right? That's, yeah. That's the key. Yes. And that's that's the key for us. We, having uh, clients, most of our client base, as you know, Wayne, is seniors and retirees and near retirees. That sleep well at night factor is a, is a real thing. And it's uh, hugely important when you're no longer working and don't have an income coming in, um, you know, having having a uh, threshold of how much you can lose to the downside in your portfolio is really important and helps people sleep better at night. And so, you know, your, your strategy, alpha DNA strategy, the, the, uh, what are we calling it now? The all cap strategy, all cap, hedged all cap equity, hedged yeah. equity strategy, uh, which we've been using for well, pretty much since inception. I don't know how many years now it's been several years now. It's been highly effective. Let me, um, let me ask a couple more questions that, that either I've had in the past or that clients have asked me in the past. One is, um, you know, we've seen how effective AI is at predicting earnings and revenue surprises. And that's why you're getting the, the alpha to pay for the hedge. Like you just talked about, why can't we, or, or do, or could we ever potentially use AI to predict when we should be hedged or when we should be unhedged? Yeah. Um, we've tried, right? It's a, it's a, anyone who tells you they can time the market, um, is really, is young, right? <laughs> yeah. um, They haven't been through it yet. They haven't been through enough cycles to, to get the scars yet. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I, almost everyone I know has tried to figure out if there's a way to predict what the market's going to do next. We've tried using AI. We've tried a few things. It's difficult to do. So our our philosophy is really always invested, always hedged, right? Yep. Like I don't know what the market's going to do next week, and if someone knows, please reach out to me and let me know. Right? Uh, <laughs> tell right. me, and I will keep I will keep a running log of every time you tell me and whether you were right. And I like and I predict you're young and you will eventually have scars, right? <laughs> um, I have some scars. I'm not that young, yeah. so yeah. Um, I you know trying to time the market is difficult. So it's better off to just always be hedged. Yep, and, that's uh, our philosophy. Yeah. Also, we we tell clients the same thing. You can't, there's no way that you'll ever be able to predict the market. No one's ever going to have a crystal ball on the future. And so, but yet we know that over the long term, stocks deliver the highest returns relative to almost anything else. And so you've got to have some of your portfolio invested in stocks to provide for long term, uh, to provide a long term hedge against inflation. Yeah, right? that's right. And especially given where interest rates are now, right? I mean, yeah. fixed income. Interest rates are at all-time low, which means fixed income is priced at all-time highs, which means it's the asset class poised to give back uh, in any sort of market decline that comes uh, near. I mean, equities will too, right? Yeah. That, that's the definition, right? If markets, if, if equity markets go down, more than likely they'll drag fixed income down with it. But they should go down just on the back of interest rates going up. At least anything with any duration should, right? Any, I mean, yeah. the longer your duration in the bond, the more interest rate sensitivity you're going to have. And so I think... Um, I, 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 the, the, the more traditional 60-40 portfolio isn't going to work in that environment where, yeah. where interest rates are going to go up and put a lot of pricing pressure on the bond. So, Wayne, using the AI, like anything, there's value when um, it's not being used by the masses, right? The, so with the AI and as AI becomes more and more um, utilized, do you see that being an issue for for you guys or it being more difficult to find those opportunities? Or It's a great question because... AI is, uh, uh, the adoption of AI on financial services firms and investment managers is increasing, right? Um, though if you're gonna meet AI managers, ask a lot of tough questions, because our, our experience is nine out of every 10 people who say they're using AI actually aren't, 
right? But <laughs> but yeah, they, they, they want to be able to say it because it's a buzzword and makes them yeah. sound really advanced. But yeah. at least eight or nine out of 10 are not actually doing anything really. They're just doing some sort of regression analysis or something. So, so that's side note. But you're absolutely right. AI is adopting. In fact, did you guys, again, another side note, sorry to, to, to take us off track a little bit. You know how I know AI is gonna is gonna only get more and more adoption is is you if you're in college right now in any technical discipline you're gonna touch AI while you're in college yeah right if it's if it's a medical field if it's a sciences field if it's engineering if it's math if it's computer science you're act there's actually gonna be you're actually gonna touch AI relative to your field so it's, yeah. I mean it's just a standard in college now right every college and so so we know it's getting more and more adoption. And so the, so the risk, Matt, right, is that more people will see how, the kind of alpha we are creating and say, oh, I want that, right? The same way if a pizza store had a huge line out the door, a pizza store would open up across the street, right? Because there's, lots of, there's clearly right. lots of demand for pizza there. And another pizza store would open up until finally the lines hit some level of equilibrium. So we should expect that. Um, our, there's, there's a couple things that, that defend us well, right? One is uh, we've been doing it longer, so we have more data in our database. In fact, some of the data we have in our database um, you can't even go buy today. Like you couldn't go back source buy. The company is no either no longer in business or they've gone private, right? Like their data is no longer available to be bought, right? Yeah. So that that data gives us insight. It, it helps train the AI about yeah. future similar data types, right? Um, secondly, we really deploy something called supervised machine learning, and so it you know it's going to be very dependent on our own experience, right? Uh, in terms of uh, calling surprises, and so. Uh, that sort of experience in sizing, uh, marketing effectiveness that Arun and Rod, our data scientists, have will be uh, uh, very important to that. Third, there's just always more data being added, so you're always you're always going to have to keep up with it. The fourth thing is most people who are trying to do it are not trying to do this across the size and scale that we are across three thousand companies. Most most of them just try to do it across fifty, a hundred, two hundred companies that they know are very internet driven or very do a lot of business online because they say, oh, that's the that's the, the consumer metrics I want to measure about online interaction is the companies that do a lot of online interaction. Us doing it across 3,000 companies just gives us way more scale and, way, and, and, and uh, uh, insights and, and AI outputs that the average uh, uh, folks couldn't easily replicate. The other thing, too, is the data is hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, and you've got to have AI experience to make it work. Right? And our, our guys have 20-plus years' experience of doing data analytics with AI. Right? So all of that gives us an advantage. I'd be more worried if we were like in the sixth inning of this ball game, but we're in like the second inning of this. When ball do you game. think analysts are replaced with AI? So let's be really clear, right? The analysts already um, uh, buy a lot of the data that we buy. Not most of it. I mean, uh, so the average like Merrill Lynch stock analyst uh, who has to put out a rating on a stock, he, his Merrill Lynch is buying for him some of the data that we same same data that we buy about consumer metrics and they're buying credit card data that's a really popular one we don't buy any credit card data because we care about real client interaction with the digital brand not so much is a credit card transaction but they're buying all data so they're already trying to use it but again they don't have the sort of size and scale or or they don't also most of them don't try to come at it from a marketing angle like we do right in terms of measuring marketing effectiveness the average analyst in Wall Street didn't spend 20 years in a marketing organization in a Fortune 500 company like Rod and Arun did, right? Yeah. So, so I will say another way to put all this is you really are in a lot of ways paying for our analytic chops, right? When when you hire us yep. as a manager, right? It's uh, it, you know, you're you're basically saying you know Rod and Arun's experience. How long is Rod and Arun's experience going to translate uh, into excess return or alpha that we talk about? And I think the best way to measure that is 
are we finding surprises? Are we finding the analyst revisions, right? And that's actually one of the ways, you know, we're very transparent about that. We publish the report during earnings. Uh, some of your clients even subscribe to it. You guys subscribe to it and well, I know look at it religiously. Um, as long as we keep creating a high rate of surprise and a high rate of analyst revisions, that'll mean that we're finding companies that are growing more than Wall Street thinks. Uh, where you should start to worry that someone's catching up to us is when we're not. When, that, when those numbers start to decrease, that would probably indicate that the analysts are starting to get the data and catch up to it and potentially other parties are and they're getting into the investment before us so that but thing is is you have a live report on that we put it out right. every single quarter for the three weeks of earnings we put out exactly what we own and and how it did on earnings and so and then you know you guys get to see because i send you periodically and i'll send you anytime you ask the revisions data too we don't publish that yet but we may like we don't publish it broadly we'll give it to clients like you guys we may start publishing it more broadly too and re what i mean by revisions is Analysts revise their numbers upwards, and that's just another indicator that you're right, right? If you if you say a company is going to surprise, well, in the build-up to earnings, if analysts start to sort of see the same data we do and they start to, to, to upgrade it, well, that's a good thing. If we got in first, that's a good thing because the analyst right. upgrades lead to price improvements. That's right. right. So, And Wayne, we've been talking, and you've mentioned a special that you would like to offer some of our Mach 1 Market Moment listeners, and that's a way that they have some of their own money, maybe someplace else, maybe their parents' money or somebody else's money, that they think they're really doing a great job with their stock picking. You have an offer for them. You want to share that with them? Yeah, we do. So we mentioned earlier, right, we're using AI to build these portfolios, So, and we cover nearly the entire Russell 3000, so we cover really most of the U.S. trading universe. Uh, if any of your clients have their own equity portfolio and they want us to score it for them using our AI and using our algorithms, uh, set up time with Mach 1, right? Get with Mach 1, say I listened to the podcast and I heard that Alpha DNA and, the, and Wayne and his team will score my portfolio. Um, I'd like to get it scored. We'll set up a video share, right? You'll walk me through your portfolio or maybe you'll just email it to me ahead of time and then we'll set up the video share. I'll walk you through the out outcomes. Uh, and you know, David and, and Matt and you, Mike, and the team can be involved in the, in the video shit too, and we'll talk through it. Whether it could be, it could be your own portfolio, it could be your parents' portfolio, it could be any friend you know that you know has, a, has maybe struggled with their equity portfolio. So when I say, we say portfolio, we're really talking about stocks here, right? Equity portfolio that they've, you know they've struggled with. Um, encourage them to come to us and, uh, and, and we'll score it for you. And there's no cost, right? Well, we'll say what, first, 15 people to respond will get, uh, you know, we'll give this offer to, right? Wow, that's a great offer, Wayne. I know you're a busy man. And uh, so we, with first 15 listeners out there that want to take advantage of this with Wayne and Mach 1, you can either give us a call here at Mach 1 at 479-876-2100 or respond here on the podcast on the link below. And the first 15, the first 15 will get the opportunity to do a Zoom call with Wayne and go over your portfolio. Wayne, thank you very much for that. Such sure. a generous offer. Thank you. Well, Wayne, uh, a lot of great information today. I'm sure we'll be having another podcast with you coming up soon because it's uh, just tons of interesting information. Uh, for those of you listening, you can see why we uh, why we use alpha DNA as much as we do. The strategy's effective. There's a lot of data and science behind it. We're not just guessing at stocks right there's there's actual data lots of data that go into it to really make very accurate predictions in terms of earnings and revenue surprises and then with the uh the hedging for the sleep well at night uh insurance you might uh you might say that's also an important component of what we do as, as well so uh wayne thanks for 
being here today. Thanks for making the trip up from Baltimore. And um, thanks for, gosh, working together for six, seven, eight years, something like that. We've been working together for a long time now. So appreciate our relationship, and thanks for thanks for uh, taking good care of us and our clients. Well, that was episode number 69, and as you've quickly learned, that Wayne is uh, uh, brilliant in what he does. And every time we meet with him, we always learn something new, so we will definitely will have him back on the Mach 1 Market Moment. And as always, we want to throw in a thought of the day. Um, and since we've been talking about artificial intelligence here with Wayne today, um, I've got two good ones, actually from the same guy, David Waters, and they're both on artificial intelligence. One says, I know a lot about artificial intelligence, but not as much as it knows about me. It's kind of <laughs> creepy, but it goes to say, like, with what Wayne's been talking about, trying to predict. That's right. Um, and then the other one is, predicting the future isn't magic, it's artificial intelligence. <laughs> That's right. I love that. We haven't got the crystal ball yet, but we're almost there. We're working on it. (laughs) And that's it today for the Mach 1 Market Moment. We look forward to you joining us next time. A quick reminder, the host of this show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. Guests on the show may be clients of Mach 1 Financial Group, and comments should not be taken as an endorsement or testimonial of the firm. Comments are the sole opinion of the speaker and do not reflect the opinion of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said on the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed.